This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. Minutiaman is up next, but first, listen to this other fine OPI show. Back to you with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. Oh, I'm Steve Baskerville. And I'm Howard Sudbury. And we talk about... He's gone rogue. Whatever we talk about... We're the Ramblin' Boys. I don't know what to add. He's all the characters. This is a one-man show. (laughs) And friends! Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com The following is a Tony Lasano podcast. An Opie production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is Minutia Minutia Man Man. with Rick and Dave. (sighs) Oh, you take off your glasses. (laughs) You just kind of whipped off those glasses like a... Here, give me an author pose with the glasses. Uh, you know what I like to do? You know, when you take the glasses, when you're wearing the glasses yeah. and then you take the glasses off, it's like you're about to say something really <laughs> important. important. Right, yes, exactly. exactly. Point, point to me at the gla- with the glasses. Yeah. Uh, Did you yeah. ever see the... Uh, it's on YouTube. It's the how to make a good TED Talk. No. And it's the guy going, and what you want to do is you want to make your points with fingers. Like the the whole TED Talk talk was just the gestures that you make, you know. Uh, That's good. Pause now for three seconds. Well, you know, uh, I, before we go any further, we should uh, wish happy birthdays to both of our wives. Yes. Yeah, uh, no. Yesterday was my wife Bridget's birthday. Uh, your wife Michelle's birthday is on the twentieth, which is what day of the week? Of the, uh, that's, that's day after tomorrow. That's Saturday. That's the day this show comes out. Right. So here's your present, honey. <laughs> <laughs> Episode one eighty two of Medusha, man. You uh, know what's a little disconcerting? Yeah, you know, I posted a picture of my lovely bride mm-hmm. on Facebook yesterday, wishing her a happy birthday. She's not on Facebook, right. or you know, she's. So she doesn't really get involved in social media. And I put it out there and, you know, I just wanted yeah. to wish her a happy birthday. Right, of course. Um, there are more likes and comments on anything that involves Bridget right. than involves me on anything ever. Um, yeah. I'm, if I post a thing of a picture of my kids, I always get a lot of yeah. likes, you know. Um, I did post about a week ago or so or maybe two weeks ago. That we had switched, we had moved the bread basket from the oh, left, yeah, the, the left <laughs> side of the the stove to the right side. Like a hundred comments. I know. You know, it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> but the, our stuff, our regular yeah, stuff, which eh. is gold. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, hey, new episode coming out. Yeah. Six, six likes. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah. A new book coming out. Eh, yeah. You know, big deal. Well, happy birthday to yeah to Bridget and Michelle. Boy, I I bought uh, Bridget a uh, a dozen. Uh, peach roses they're in the uh, kitchen right now oh really and um, on the 27th of June after she has finished with her class she's taking a class right now when she finishes with her class we're gonna have a special night out and you know I just I just feel like this is just me I just feel like it's important to take time away from your busy life and focus on your marriage and 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 give your wife that extra I don't know, uh, that love that she deserves. Does it have anything to do with the fact that she's pretty much runs everything here and uh, primary breadwinner? Well, whatever. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yes, of course, I'm appreciative of that, too. But, uh, well, happy birthday, Michelle, when you listen to this podcast, possibly before, right before your next birthday. <laughs> She'll never hear it. Happy birthday. She'll never. I like your hat, by the way. Thank you. Aaron got me a Father's Day present. It's the University of Illinois hat. Nice. He's got the eye. Um, no Indian. We're very politically. I don't even know you can even buy. I don't a, think so. You can't even buy the Indian. The chief uh, is not available or, anymore. Um, but uh, yes, it was so far my best Father's Day present, possibly the only. And what I got, Michelle, you know, you had mentioned that you got uh, Bridget Roses. I got Michelle a T-shirt of the periodic table. <laughs> I'm not kidding. And it says, I wear this shirt periodically. Oh, very nice. Yeah, it's yeah. not roses, but it's nice. Yeah. But this this is going to last far longer than your Whatever. crappy peach roses. Whatever. Uh, we should do a, a show. Sure. Uh, I guess we're here for that. Um, and before you ask, no, I do not have that one ready to go. So, so I should just go in with it. Yes. Um, in lieu of the Supreme Court's landmark decision that uh, happened just a few days ago concerning the, the LGBTQ um, okay. It, yeah. It, um, protections in the workplace. Right. Right. Um, and June being Pride Month, I thought that I found this story here, and I think it's very appropriate. 
Nickelodeon on Wednesday settled a debate that, well, you know, really wasn't a debate as when they re- revealed on social media that SpongeBob is gay. Right. I saw yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. You know what? It's really not. News. You know, I like, talked to my boys about this because yeah. they were huge SpongeBob fans. Yeah. They're all like, yeah, of course. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It wasn't. Yeah. But it was nice that they made, yeah. you know, that they made reference. Um, this story actually reminded me of a trip that me and Michelle took with the kids from Cleveland. We were coming back from Cleveland. I think I've been to Cleveland 12,000 times. Yeah. Uh, and we were on our yeah. way. Michelle has family there. Right. And so we were leaving Cleveland and I remember just getting out of the city. And remember when the kids were little, you had the the players, the video players. Oh, yeah, right? like the DS game. Yeah, yeah well, yeah. an actual where you can see movies. They oh, had like oh the yeah, movie sure, thing. sure, yeah. And, of course, Dora and Boots, or the, the Dora show was a huge hit in our house. It wasn't in our house. Okay, well. <laughs> um, and I remember we were just leaving Cleveland. And somehow the discussion of what is the gender of boots? You know who boots. I mean, you know, Dora yeah. boots. It's mm-hmm. the monkey. Right. right. Um, now, Aaron was convinced that boots was a boy. Okay. And Julia was convinced that boots was is a girl. A girl. Yeah. Great. And Lila, and I'm not kidding, at age seven, boots is trans. I'm not For kidding. real? I'm not kidding. Just, and I'm like, and, and I remember just laughing to myself as I'm driving. I'm like, but that's really awesome. Yeah. That my seven year old kid. Right. And for the, for the duration, basically all of Ohio and much of Indiana, they were discussing the sexual orientation and gender of, of boots. Right. Um, which was, you know, for, for that generation is no big deal, which I, I think is great by right. the way. Yeah. Um, but I Googled is boots, a boy or yeah. a girl yesterday. You can get an answer to anything on this internet. Thing, <laughs> really? Right. right. Um, I'm going to turn my computer here because I found, as I was searching for the answer here, I stumbled upon some disturbing images that some enterprising artists created depicting Dora oh, and oh, Boots no. participating in some activity. Now, look at that. Look at that oh, picture. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okie dokie. How long did someone take to, to, wow. to create the Dora and Boots? Um, from the looks of this photo, Boots is definitely a boy. <laughs> okay. As you can tell. Uh, uh, and, yeah, and All the telltale signs are there. <laughs> uh, and I also um, got me thinking about other cartoon characters yeah. that may or may not be gay. I got okay. a list here. You want to you play gay or not gay? Okay. Um, Waylon Smithers. Obviously gay. gay right? Yeah, right. Um, Stewie Griffin. From, yes. He's gay. Yep. Right. Yep. Uh, Ren and Stimpy. Yeah, I always thought they were. They lived together, sleep yep. in the same bed, yep. right? Ursula, well, you may not. It was a love-hate relationship, but yes. Uh, Ursula from The Little Mermaid, you may not. Oh, yeah, that's the uh, uh, the sea witch or whatever. Right. Yeah, kind of drag queen. Oh, yeah, yeah, I could see it. Um, you know who I thought when I saw that movie the first time? I thought she was divine from uh, John Waters. Exactly. So yeah. you definitely. Right. Uh, Big Gay Al from South Park. You think he's okay, gay? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, what about Mickey Mouse? Mickey Mouse. What about Minnie? They have lived in separate houses for like eighty years. I guess so. Have you yeah. seen the? And he's, he's so you're saying Minnie's his beard? Yes. Uh, okay. And Mickey's gloves. You see Mickey's gloves? Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Know. Okay. What about well Velma from Scooby Doo? Definitely. Right. Uh, Definitely. Ned Flanders. No, he's Ned uh, is oakley dokely. He's got a, I, he's got a I know, wife but, and kids. And, yeah, but you know, yeah, I think it might wow. be overcompensating. I'm, I'm uh, going to okay. say no on uh, Ned Flanders. Right. And finally, this is one yeah. Mario from Super Mario. Hmm. Well, yeah, he's got his brother Luigi. Do we know they're really brothers? Yeah, maybe. Uh, he did try to save the princess, but. It could have just been a, a good do, a a altruistic thing. thing. Yeah. So okay, there, there you go. Well, that's that's good. Um, do we have uh, any information about uh, yes, some of our shows <laughs> yes, we coming do. up, Dave? <laughs> well, that was a great segue. Thank you. Uh, there is big news here at the Opie, uh Shows dot com. Is that Opie. right? Yes, the Car Guys are now available on Tuesdays. Okay, okay. they did a little day switcheroo with Back to You. Who is on Thursdays? Now. Okay. So those are when the release dates for those shows, um, and you can get it on Spotify. You can subscribe pretty much anywhere where you enjoy your podcasts, 
And don't forget to go to opishows.com or wherever, again, you enjoy your podcast. Yeah, I mean, they come out a certain day. Like our our, uh, Minishment Celebrity interview comes out on Wednesdays. Mm -hmm. My Back to You show with Adam comes out on Thursdays. You you mean free kicks. Free kicks. Oh, do you have another one too? (laughs) That's my next one. (laughs) We're going to do two shows. And then the... uh, our actual show, Minutiaman, comes out on Saturday. Correct. Yes. Which is, you know, probably the lowest listening day of the week. Um, speaking of Steve Baskerville, we're going to be doing a little um, uh, interview, or we're going to be playing an interview that are part of his show. Yes. Um, which is really a poignant and powerful. That's coming up there. later on in the show. We also have a big guest we should mention coming up on yeah, the show. Yeah, Steve Harper. He uh, Steve Harper is a playwright, a actor, a um, a writer. He is known, probably best known for God Friended Me. Yeah. The TV program on CBS that actually was really critically acclaimed. And he wrote several episodes. Right, and he also produced it. Yes. Uh, Very thoughtful guy, very smart guy. Yep. Um, We're looking forward to having him on after Uh, the break. That'll be coming up. Um, So I'd like to go right from the high of discussing these... these, these, Petty issues. Yes. uh, Intellectuals. Into a discussion about toilets, Dave. <laughs> sure. Uh, because, you know, people have long been leery of germs in bathrooms, and that wariness has only increased during the pandemic. Well, most people. People like you, not wary about toilets at all. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, experts, though, according to this story that came out this week, experts are saying that we've been focusing on the wrong aspect of toilets, right? Everyone's worried about the seat. You know, we put our... You put uh, little pieces of toilet mm-hmm. paper on these public toilets, and you uh, they have these covers that come out, toilet seat covers. Um, and the germ transmission from that to skin contact is actually very small, very small chance of that happening. But what happens is when you flush the toilet, the little bits of fecal matter swish around so violently that they can be propelled into the air and become aeros- aerosolized and then settle on the surroundings. And that is where your germs are. So kind of like a fecal cloud. Toilet plume, they call it. <laughs> really? The toilet plume. That was your book of short stories, wasn't it? <laughs> but I bring this up to you because you are a public toilet aficionado. I don't I, like to brag, but yes. There are very, you'll never meet another person in the world who's more comfortable using public facilities. Give than me a, a zip code and I'll tell you the best public toilet that does this at all give you any pause um well here's a couple things you're also a germaphobe you're also a hypochondriac um, and yet this this does not match so when i saw that and i saw this article too when i saw this article first of all i thought this was a ploy for women to make sure that you put the seat down all the time (laughs) okay and because i live with four women well that's you know that's a good point because if the seat is down exactly the the plume has nowhere to go well exactly and living in a house like i said with four women yeah now i am not going to belittle our female audience here no i think actually when somebody says i'm not going to belittle somebody (laughs) i'm going to start belittling them uh i never quite found the Oh boy, here we go. I didn't think it was that big of a deal for them to put the toilet put toilet seats down themselves. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm not saying that I intentionally leave them up, which right. I don't. But let's be honest, and I'm not one who necessarily puts forth effort to anything that I do. Yeah. But it's really not that much effort to just put the seats it's a, down. Yeah, it, it's also not that much effort for you. Well, to I, do that. No, I get it, and I do the <laughs> I do the best I can. Because we don't even do that in my house, and we're all guys. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I I think it goes both ways, but I don't think that I deserve being berated continuously for not doing it. Well, uh, so let me ask you this. I'm going to play devil's advocate okay. here. Um, how many thousands of times have they had to tell you to put the seat down? Um, I, I'm getting better, but there's <laughs> but there's no... And, you know, but and we even have a toilet that all you got to do is kind of like touch it and it goes yeah. down. You know, one of those... Right, you're really not making activated. the case for yourself. I mean, you're... You're making the what case I'm saying is this article <laughs> was written by a woman who th- th- this is complete bullshit. This toilet plume is just a way to get us to I close dis- the toilet. I disagree. And I'm on the side of the toilet plume people. <laughs> toilet plume. Ladies and gentlemen, would you please welcome? <laughs> um, hey, I got another story. Do we have time? Uh, yes, we do. All right. Rick, I'm going to give you an animal and I want you to tell me the most famous animal of that species. Okay. Okay. All right. So dolphin. A uh, flipper. Okay, great. Yeah. 
whale. Uh, uh, Moby Dick. Dude, you're great at this. Okay. Uh, Lassie. Lassie. Dog. Lassie. <laughs> Son of a bitch. I can't even do this. Uh, so um, I want you to think of, all right, what is the most famous Galapagos tortoise? Oh, I don't have one of those. All right. I want you to remember the name Diego. Diego. Yeah, okay. Diego is going to go down in history as the Isn't most. there also a Diego in uh, Dora the Explorer? <laughs> yes, okay. exactly. And, ooh, is Diego gay? I don't yeah, know. It's all out there. Um, remember the name Diego, mm-hmm. a giant Galac- a Galapagos tortoise whose legendary libido has been credited with saving his species from extinction. Wow. And his name, of course, is Diego. Diego, Diego and 14 other male tortoise- tortoises, none of whom were as legendary as our superhero Diego, have returned to their native Espanola. Which pleased, is, pleased to meet you. I am Diego. <laughs> right. I was going to do it. I can't. Well, you're the one with the rubber board. Do, do Diego as an Irishman. <laughs> Hello, it's me, Diego. <laughs> uh, the tortoises, uh, uh, Diego and his 14 tortoise buddies, um, for six decades, were repopulating the, um, the, the Galapagos tortoise species. Wow. He's 100 years old. Wow. Diego's 100 years old, and he is thought to have fathered around 40% of all the giant tortoises on Earth today come from Diego's sea. Wow. Huh? He's like the Anthony Quinn of tortoises, uh, the, the Tony Randall of tortoises. <laughs> Tony Randall. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, right. The Larry like, King of tortoises. 100 freaking years old. Uh, now, he's now retired. Okay. Okay. They, you know, happens to everybody. <laughs> exactly. You happen to even retired. Type cubs, right? Oh, here's something. You know, Diego weighs 175 pounds and he's three feet long. So he's much if fatter. If you know what I mean. <laughs> what I was going to say, he's fatter than us. If he could yeah. do it, we could do it, right? Well, he's a giant tortoise. <laughs> uh, now, um, here's a couple of things. First of all, if God forbid some horrible calamity befalled mankind. I don't know. Let's say a, giant, a, a global pandemic, for instance. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, I, a worldwide economic collapse. Yeah. And if uh-huh. I'm responsible to repopulate humanity, yeah, yeah stick a fork in it. <laughs> you don't have the energy. No, exactly. You don't, have the, you don't have the inclination. You don't have the time. Right. You, I, I you don't no, even have time to put the toilet seat right. down. I'm no Diego, is what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, and second of all, I'm envisioning Diego's retirement party. Right? Haven't you also been fixed? No, I haven't. Oh no! I don't. I, Hello, ladies. Yeah, right. It is me, Diego. Um, but second, and I'm envisioning Diego's retirement party. Right? Okay, yeah. you know, he just retired after seven decades. Sure, you would think that the company is yeah, making yeah. a nice like gold for, watch right? or something. So he's at the bar with his buddies, right? <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. And let's call it—I don't know—the hair and the tortoise. Maybe okay. it's the name of the bar, right. or the you know the giant shell or whatever. Right. So he's hanging out with all of his buddies, and his buddies are like. Hey, Diego, can you get me now that you're retired? Can I maybe get this gig? Right. And Diego's probably, you know, guys on paper, this looks great. Right. Yeah. It's, it sounds wonderful, but you know, it's the same thing day after day. Do right? you understand the pressure? <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. You have to perform all the time. Yeah, I am the, judged. The, the future of your species <laughs> is at stake. Right. Right. You're at the soup company. What could possibly happen? You make a bad bowl of soup. Me, Diego, uh, you know, and my back hurts, and I'm judged, and there's cuddling. Yeah, guys, just stay at the stay at the soup plant. Okay. Well, we have time for uh, one more feature. Here we go. A random name pulled out of Rurik's bowl of brushes with celebrities. Mixture. Collection. Selection. Assemblage. Medley. Assortment. Variety. Time now for Celebrity Potpourri with Rick and Dave. So this is the part of the show where Dave reaches his hand into the jar, pulls out the name of a celebrity, and then I have to tell the story of how I met that uh, celebrity. No. Oh. I actually have a Milton Berle story. Milton Berle story. Milton Berle, okay. Mil- Milton Berle. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to hear. You go uh, first. Well, it's not really a story. Uh, remember Eric Milton, the the pitcher for the yeah, the he was like the twins, right? In the Reds, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Mark Burley, of course, yeah, for the White Sox. Went uh, one day. Eric Milton was the, uh, okay. Played the pitcher, against yeah. Mark Burley, and ESPN said Milton Berle. Oh, Burley, nice. Burley. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, all that's right. not a real good story, but I remember it. 
Uh, so my my story goes back to like uh, I I want to say early nineties. I was working at the Loop in ninety one, ninety two, something like that. At the time, Milton Berle was a guest star on the Prince of Bel Air. I think it was something like that. He must, he must have been what. 80 well into his 80s he was was an old man he was an old man and when you see him in person which i did that day uh he looked even older Mm. i mean he had like a uh he had a lot of makeup on and this was it's radio i know um and and he looked i don't know he was kind of a cranky man he was an old guy right? right and so um anybody if people meet us, we're now crank, we're, we're crank, cranky right, guys, right, and we're in our fifties. Right, yeah. Imagine when we're in Diego our Diego is cranky. <laughs> um, but you know, there was always the story about Milton Berle, hmm. and, that, and that story is he has a he's a, he's Diego a, a, gigantic okay. appendage. That's okay. that's the story, and okay. everybody in Hollywood knows this story. Right. And the reason they know this story is because he's told everybody. He actually pulls it out. Oh he gosh. would pull it out. Yeah. And he did it for, um, we had this guy on from Saturday Night Live. He hosted Saturday Night Live once. And this guy, I forget which Saturday Night Live yeah. performer told us, you know, they were in the writer's room and they were ta- working about the bit, you know, what they were going to do. And somebody made a crack. He goes, you guys didn't want to see it, right? <laughs> and so he just pulls it out and sticks it on the table. Oh, wow. Wow. Now. When I met him, he was in his 80s, right. you know, which, you know, 10, 15, 20 years after the put it on the table right. thing. Um, but he looked at me and at worst, we're in the uh, producer's area. The, and it's the it's a little the producer's booth was just a little like a really small little room, right? A little room. Yeah. And he says to me, uh, you know, and he he'd been on Brandmeier show or something. I was I was not on. I was not a producer at that time. I was doing an overnight show okay. so it was early morning and i was still there working on production or whatever and so i ran into milton burley he was on Brammeyer show mm-hmm. and uh he uh he says to me you've, you've heard it haven't you <laughs> i go what you know you know what and i said yes i have heard that and he goes you want to see it don't you <laughs> And I said, no, I do not want to see it. Well, so you're the first person that ever <laughs> declined Milton Burles. But that is a true story. What did he say? He didn't take it out. Thank God. Well, that was nice of yeah. him not to. Yeah. Uh, kind of, but uh, apparently this is something that he said all the time. He did it all the time. I only met him that once and he said it to me. So he's probably at Starbucks. And well, he's dead. But was yeah. there Starbucks thirty years ago? I don't know, whatever. Yeah. I don't know. He's probably sure Starbucks and asking the guy in the line, Hey, yeah. you, you heard it, right? Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, and I thought about it afterwards. It's creepy. Um, and, and I thought to myself, you know, if, if it was me, I'd be doing it too. <laughs> well, do, do, you, do you ever see the, you know, the medicine for whatever it is? And, you know, if you have an erection for more than six hours, consult your doctor. Yeah. Your doctor. yeah. I'm not calling my doctor. I'm calling all my friends. Yeah, right. I'm calling the AP. <laughs> yeah, the UPI. Exactly. Yeah. God, <laughs> CNN's coming here. <laughs> Ah uh, yes, but so I, I I have no proof that it is what it, what people say it is. Well, you're like Donald Trump right now. Yeah. Hey, some people are saying. Yeah, some people are saying. So my story isn't that great because I didn't actually see it. But uh, there we go. Now we uh, we do have a, a special guest on today, mm-hmm. and I want to switch gears uh, because he's actually a pretty serious guy, yeah. and he's done some really great shows. He's a writer. Uh, his name is Stephen Harper. Mm-hmm. And well, let's clear the decks and get everything ready for him. And we'll bring him in and we'll have a nice discussion with him. He's the writer of God Friended Me, among other among things. Among a lot of other great things. So we'll be right back. I'm Howard Sudbury, and I co-host the Back to You podcast with my longtime friend, Steve Basterville. Hey, it's Mark Vernon from the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Your Tuesdays just got better. The Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, with Mark Vernon and Lou Costable is on the move. New episodes of this great podcast will be released on Tuesdays. And our good friends Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville and their podcast, Back to You, will now be available on Thursdays. So check out Mark and Lou with the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, on Tuesdays. And back to you on Thursdays. Both are a Tony Lasano podcast and Opie Show Productions on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. On this week's Free Kicks with Adam and Rick, big news, Adam. I'm Giddy. The English Premier League is back. 
We've got games galore. I don't know how I'm going to work my schedule around all these games in the next 10 days, but we're looking forward to it. So lots of lots of matches to watch. And lots of fun to listen to here. We'll be giggling with glee on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network and Opie Show and Tony Lasano Podcast Free Kicks with Adam and Rick. And we're back. Time now for the Celebrity Minutia Minute. Hey, you got a minute? Celebrity Minutia Minute with Rick and Dave. Okay, Dave, make sure you uh, have a uh, dictionary, a a (laughs) thesaurus nearby, because uh, this week's guest is a Yale, Harvard, and Juilliard man. Wow. uh, (laughs) Just like us, Steve. Uh, yeah, he, yeah. He's he's a writer, a playwright, an actor, Hollywood producer. Uh, his acting credits—you've probably seen him. He's been in the Young and Restless, Nine Hundred Two One Zero, Law and Order, All My Children, <clears throat> and most recently, this is the reason we wanted to talk to him. He's produced and written for a very popular CBS series called Godfriended Me, uh, which just ended its run. Mm-hmm. It just ended its run a few weeks ago. Please welcome Steve Harper to the show. Steve, how are you? Hey, I'm good. I'm really glad to be on with you guys. And uh, yeah, you know, it's funny with all the stuff about the credits It's it's and, and the education. And I'm grateful for it. And as I always say, like that and a Metro card will get me across town. So. <laughs> well, but still, but still, you know, I, I'd yeah. be proud of it if I were you. I'd have it no, on all I'm, my I'm, business cards. Right. That would be <laughs> my proud. name on Starbucks. When I got my Starbucks, it would be Juilliard, Harvard, and Yale graduate Dave. <laughs> yeah, good, good luck with people spelling that. Yeah, that's a good question or a good point, yeah. too. Our, our first question is this. All right. Because uh, you have written for God Friended Me, you're a producer of that show. Do you happen to know God? And if so, uh. can, can you please ask him <laughs> to start 2020 all over again so we can, uh, yes. you know, wind this clock, right, right. clock back a little bit? Right, right. I generally like God's work. Not a fan this of 2020. This has not been his best work this year. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, yeah. Ro- ro- rolling back would be an interesting thing. I mean, look, I think the the, the, the truth of the matter is you know, uh, I think we really have to look to people around the, the issues of the day, because, you know, uh, I think that I think that uh, the whole space of for me anyway, the whole space of God is a free will space. So I think we all need to start being uh, more humane and more and kinder to each other uh, is really the space where that should look but you're also you know you're also assuming that god is a he which i think is a really interesting uh, well well oh, if you yeah. interesting choice you can't see the notes that we have here i actually wrote he or her yeah that's on the true. notes uh-huh. rick, right. so uh-huh. i'm the progressive rick is the one who screwed up that, that <laughs> shorthand i was just going with shorthand there Steve. Uh, uh, yeah how have you been dealing with covid19 we've had quite a few holly of you hollywood types on and over the last couple of months you guys are you know, bouncing off the walls, right? And you don't know what to do with yourself. Have you been productive during this time or have you been like Rick and I uh, eating pizza puffs and uh, yeah. and on social media, you know? <laughs> you guys say that, but you're producing a show and you know, having yeah, all these guests on. I've been, you know, you've been pretty productive. But I, I have too. I really feel like, you know, for me, part of this scratches the itch of my, uh, you know, of, of my uh, my introvert. And uh, I think most writers, at least, I mean, there are a lot of other people in Hollywood, but most writers are, you know, people like me who spend a lot of time uh, in in high school sort of, you know, cozying up with my comic books mm-hmm. and my short stories and my notebooks. And, you know, not that it's been fun or it certainly has been a challenging space to kind of be uh, basically sheltering at home. And at the same time, I've managed to be pretty productive working on a handful of things that I'm writing, you know, keeping in touch with, you know, my social media accounts, my friends doing a lot of zoom calls, uh, trying to get some exercise, watching a lot of TV, mm-hmm. you know, so it's, it's, uh, you know, obviously it's not, it's not the normal world and it's, it's scary. Uh, and it's, uh, it's challenging. And I, and I feel like I've been moving through it in a, in a fairly good way. Well, you know, you mentioned social media. Let's uh, talk about a, a show you're involved in. We've already talked about a little bit is God Friended Me. And for our yeah. listeners who aren't familiar with the plot, the show centers around an atheist who is friended yes. on Facebook by uh, an account named God. That's right. Which, yes. you know, is a great premise. It's a great premise. And through, it's super fun. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, through God's suggestions, Miles, uh, the main character, befriends other users who are all in need of some sort of a help. And it's not a religious show per se, uh, but it deals with faith in, in modern society. And that's not an easy topic to address in a very sensitive world that we live in today. How did you guys pull that off so well? How did you manage to walk that fine line? Well, I think it's a fascinating um I think it is fascinating that that whole, you know, tightrope walk that I feel like every uh, every episode needed to do. The, the creators of this show, Stephen Lillian and Brian Winbrandt, you know, they they um, they had a vision. You know, one of them considers himself a believer. The other one considers himself not a believer. And so when the show, you know, has this space that's not particularly religious, but is also about helping people, is also about on some level faith and uh, looking toward um, the the notion of uh, you know how we can be our higher selves. You know, I feel like uh, we we manage to uh, take what is essentially like this procedural engine, where you know in the writers' room the question was always you know who is the person that Miles is trying to help this week and what is their challenge and you know and and how how does Miles uh, you know we would say emotionally detect we talked about him as an emotional detective so how does he find his way to uh attempting to help them and whether he does or not becomes you know the, the sort of uh mystery of each episode um but it you know it's a really challenging show to put together and yet at the same time because we're doing dealing with so many different elements uh both the procedural element and the spiritual element and the family element and you know there's a there's a bit of soapiness that goes on uh, and uh, I'm really proud of the work that we were able to do. Really proud. It's it's it, it is really a remarkable show. Um, was anybody at Facebook involved with this? And if not, do you need a lawyer? Because we know we have a <laughs> we have a couple of great lawyers on our payroll. If we can help you out here. Uh, but... uh, no, re remarkably, Facebook was not involved at all in the show. And you know, CBS and Warner Brothers, who you know collectively produced it. Uh, I think the the prevailing wisdom was, you know, we do what we do and and we just sort of see whether there's a response or how they, you know, and there was no response. There was never any approach or any conversation uh, with them. I mean, as long as we were, um, you know, I think our our people, our executives were always aware of whether or not we were doing anything or would veer toward doing anything that seemed to to besmirch the notion of Facebook, but we really, we never did. It was really just no, about, that's true. you know, yeah, it's really just about a platform of communication where people get a chance to connect with yeah. each other. And Facebook has a couple of bigger fish to fry right now. I think <laughs> we don't even want to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think, I think it does. I think we all do actually. Yeah. Well, that's a good point too. Uh, you know, Dave and I are both writers too. So we kind of uh, relate to you on that, on that level. And, uh, for me, the interesting thing about, you know, looking at your career is, you know, writing something wholesome like God Friended Me, while you're also, you know, writing gritty stuff like American Crime, which you wrote mm -hmm. uh, for uh, John Ridley, uh, David, you know, the 20, Oscar, right. yeah, 20 Years a Slave Oscar winner. 12 Years a Slave, not what, 20. What did I say? You said 20 Years I said, wow, where did yeah, that come right. from? I, liked, I don't know. I like well, the eighth sequel, though. That wow. was better, the 20th. Uh, you know, uh, That's funny. How did I do that? Uh, you know, uh, but anyway. Well, slavery yeah. lasted a long time. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. It I was actually it. like 200 years of slave. If <laughs> yeah, you wanna... we had 400. For, yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Wow. But, yeah. Rick, stop with Juilliard. I went to Juilliard. <laughs> he went to Juilliard. Stop <laughs> it. Harvard. Yeah. I went to Juilliard for playwriting, yeah. so I'm not, you know. Not well, we'll, we'll get into that, too. But, but yeah, okay. so the, the question mainly is the difference between writing for uh, you know that wholesome stuff, and then and also like the, these crime shows, and you've written quite a few things like that. Yeah, well, I think you know, ultimately for me, at the heart of the work really is about where can where can I write things that that uh, that shed light on things that perhaps we're not talking about. You know, I'm always about that kind of how can I shine a light in in this corner to sort of uh, uphold. Um, things that I think we need to be talking about more and lo or looking at more the things that people aren't uh, focused on. So for me, you know, the notion of hopefulness on God friended me, you know, in, in this age of, uh, you know, divisiveness and backbiting and, uh, you know, there's a kind of mean spiritedness that's happening now um, in, in, you know, in 2020 that, 
that I feel like God friended me on some level was an antidote to, you know, was sort of speaking to, again, this sort of higher space that we can be as human beings and the notion of wanting to help each other rather than compete with each other. You know, one of the things that John, in fact, probably the first thing that he ever said to us, I was on the third season of American Crime and, and John's philosophy of that show, John Ridley's philosophy was, you know, he said, for me, there are no villains uh, on this show. Uh, you know, the show is about social issues. The show is about uh, lots of difficult things that you might find, you know, in the newspaper or have seen on um, any number of news magazines. But John said that, uh, you know, there are no villains. There are only people who are trying to do the best they can in extremely difficult circumstances. And so from that point of view, you know, as we were breaking the episodes on American crime, the perspective was always about, you know, looking at it from a character point of view, you know, people, again, like trying to survive, trying to, I think American crime more than anything, even though it's got crime in the title, uh, is and was a show about grief, you know, a show about how do we survive the difficult things that happen in our community, whether it's our local community or our national community. You know, I think on some level that space of looking at grief and wanting to kind of uh, find our way through is is a very similar space to God Friended Me in terms of, you know, just how do we survive and how do we help each other survive? And to I, me, that's, yeah. that's what draws I, I love me that to ap- work. I love that approach. I You know, I think that... Uh is probably why the characters are so three-dimensional in that show mm, yeah. um, because you're you're coming to it from a, a, a position of understanding you know where you're trying to get into the mind of what how you got to that point it, it, yes. it, it's it's like also your 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 web series that you did send me now this was from yeah. bet.com yeah i'm so glad you're bringing that up because yeah. i just I just re-released it on YouTube, oh, so I, you know, was planning to talk about it anyway. But yes, Send Me is uh, was a 2016 web series that I created uh, that was originally seen on BET.com during Black History Month 2016, and it's basically about a black woman played by Tracy Toms, who's an incredible actress, has been in a million things, including the Rent movie and Death Proof and uh, Station 19 recently. Um, anyway, she plays this woman who has the power to send uh, black, specifically black people, back in time to the days of slavery. And people want to go; they want to pay her money to go. Uh, uh, and that's partly because, like you know, everybody says, like, why would anybody do that? Which, of course, is an excellent question. But to me and to the characters, you know, some of those people wanted to, in the same way that people want to jump out of airplanes or do dangerous drugs or any number of those sort of thrill-seeking things that, you know, average people want to do, that's the way uh, many of the people who are essentially competing to go on this journey are are looking at, uh, looking at it. So it's really an exploration for me of how, you know, the DNA of, you know, the American tragedy of slavery is like in our bones. You yeah. know, there's, there's no escaping it for the characters in the show. You know, and I think for all of us, that's really kind of on some level the metaphor. Um, yeah, so that, and I just, you know, it was on BET.com. We got 1.66 million views Jeez. in a month, which was amazing. And that's then uh, Tracy, our lead, got nominated for an Emmy that year, which was also incredible. And and I now just put it back on YouTube so you can find it. If you go to YouTube and uh, search for Send Me Web Series, you can find the whole first season, which is all of 40 minutes, because as a web series, very small installments. They're like six but, minutes. Um, they're like six minutes or eight minutes an episode or something, right? Or something well, like. the, the first 11 pieces are actually interviews of, oh, okay. of people who want to go back, because the first part of the, the process of being vetted to go back is you do a, you know, sort of a, you know, you record yourself on your phone and you say, here's why I want to go. So we get to meet some of the characters in those first 11 pieces, which are each one minute long. Okay. And then the last six episodes are these narrative episodes that are about three minutes each. It's great. It's yeah. re- really awesome. brilliant. And, you know, couldn't be more Thank timely. You. Yeah. It couldn't yeah. be. You know, obviously, so. with everything going on these days, um, you know, what, what has it been like out for you out in L.A.? You know, Chicago, we're in Chicago. Chicago is... We've had, you know, quite a few protests here. Uh, yeah. You know, Barack Obama, as you know, was from here, and yeah. you know, he's been speaking uh, uh, very eloquently about the subject. I was just wondering what your thoughts are. Yeah, well, I think, you know, again, I think that I think one of the 
the main challenges is is really the space of uh, is really the space of empathy and understanding. Mm-hmm. You know, because I, as a black man, I feel like, you know, I feel like uh, people who look like me, you know, are being hunted and killed. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how it feels. And so, what's really challenging is to be in a space where, you know, I was on a Zoom call last night with a handful of friends. Uh, all of whom were white except for me and the, the the notion of having of me being in that space feeling a different kind of reality a different kind of fear a different kind of sadness a different kind of uh you know approach to my day-to-day life than they do i mean there's a there's a space of i think first of understanding at least you know that that there have been so many of these killings yeah. uh so much violence at the hands of police you know over the last you know certainly now being videotaped over the last handful of years, but, you know, for, for hundreds of years, that, that the, the opportunity for people to wake up and, and find a way to make a difference. You know, I've, I've actually been talking to a handful of my white friends have come to me and said, well, what can I do? You know, mm-hmm. and I, I find it really, you know, I find it ironic in a way, like this is the first time that, that white people have ever asked me for permission for anything, you know? <laughs> and, and so on some level, I'm kind of like, well, you guys, you dominant culture folks, yeah. you know, uh, with all due respect, have, have the opportunity, have more of a chance perhaps of speaking, you know, truth to power, making change and surviving and not being killed for it yeah. than people who look like me. So, you know, so do what you can, like, you know, write people, write your Congress people or donate or march or, you know, speak out on Facebook or talk to your family or make phone call. Like there's so many things to do that I, I really feel like the opportunity is for people to, you know, step into their power and, and advocate for uh, for for this killing to stop. Really, that's the bottom are, line. Are you encouraged by the, um, the you know, multi-ethnic uh crowds i mean if you look at the uh, the crowds that are protesting um it's you know it's not just black people out there it yes. is it's everybody yeah. it, it you is, know the, it, it's it young is. people i you know i have three kids my oldest is 25 and my youngest is 17 and i feel like that generation is not nearly as racist as my generation <laughs> we're in our yeah. 50s you know where right it's it's just yeah, different I, I am i am encouraged i do think it is different and i do think it's powerful and I feel like it's just beginning to change. So, you know, I'm cheering on the, 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 the diverse crowds. You know, I'm cheering on the people in other countries who are speaking out against this. Yeah, and, how about that? You know, the, the, word, the words from the Pope and the words from mm-hmm. foreign leaders. And, you know, it's extraordinary that, that those uh, kinds of things are happening. And, you know, what I'm really looking for, and I think what we're all looking for, is substantive change. Right, that next you know, step. We're looking... Right. That next step, we're looking for like, you know, prosecutions of people who've done this. We're looking for, you know, the laws to change. We're looking for things to be enforced, you know. So. So, yes, I'm super excited about this diverse response. And the bottom line is what changes, you know, so that so that it's not um, business as usual in a week or a month um, so that I can feel safer, you know, whatever, driving or walking or going wherever I go. That's really the bottom line. Well, and well, like Rick says, and you say, it, there does seem something different about this one. And we're here in Chicago. We have a suburb, Wheaton, which is the mm. bastion. Of it is the cons- whitest suburb yeah. that you can possibly imagine. And they're <laughs> having a protest today, you know. Wow. and um, Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, 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 I heard it on, you know, heard it on the air coming to the studio and I got goosebumpy. You know, and uh, I, you know, and yeah, and it's, and it is, I'm sure it was instigated by some high school kid or college kid or something, you know, and Mm -hmm. it's great. And um, yeah, it is great. And, you know, with the stuff that you do, this is, you know, this, you've been writing in some form about things like this. And again, that send me is just an absolute brilliant concept. And yeah, thank you. Urge everybody. You've written for television. Um, I think I read in an article, though, that your biggest kick is writing for theater, right? And it's, I think you said something about the visceral reaction that you could see people, you know, hearing your words, Instant right? Instant gratification. Yeah. Uh, you know, t- talk to us a little bit about, you know, writing writing for theater. That's the and, one kind of writing that Dave and I have never done. Right? Oh, you should try it. Right. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, given given your following, you would 
get, uh, you know, people would pay attention, which is part of the part of the challenge. I mean, I think one of the, the great, you know, when I talk about the visceral nature of theater, there's nothing like, you know, doing having something performed and having an audience right there yeah. to see it, to respond in the moment, you know, whether they and, you know, and having spent decades as I have also as an actor before I started writing, you know, and continuing to do that today, uh, you know, there is this kind of amazing gratification that happens or this uh, or at least this amazing kind of feedback, you know, sometimes because what will happen is sometimes people will laugh at a section of your piece uh, and then the next night they won't. You know, right. There'll be nothing. Yeah. Right. There'll be complete silence or, you know, or sometimes, you know, you'll hear just the reactions change all the time. And so it's really a living, breathing thing, even though the play itself is, uh, you know, on some level set in stone. There's there's just such a, an interaction with, you know, with whoever is in the audience and, and whether those people, whoever those people are, you know, whether it's a, an audience of women on a given day or, you know, an audience of men or an audience of, you know, multi-ethnic audience or a black audience or a white audience. Like there's such a kind of joyful amoeba effect of, you know, of how people respond. And so that's really amazing and dynamic. And the other thing that I love about theater is that I think, you know, I'd like to think prepares me for my, you know, my day-to-day jobs as a, as a TV writer is that theater, you create drama out of like nothing. I mean, in TV and movies, you're often seeing, you know, explosions and car chases and special effects and, you know, this and that, you know, theater basically is like, you know, two people in a room. You know, and if you I think if you know as a writer how to create drama out of two people in a room, then you're probably more equipped to create drama out of two people, you know, and an explosion or two people and a helicopter or two people. You know, just gives you this kind of fundamental skill set that that I think is useful in all spaces. So are you working on anything right now? Are you writing anything? I... How much time you got? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm working. It's a podcast, Steve. You, you, you got three hours if you want it. There's no breaks. There's no news. Whatever. Yeah, I'm working on a number of things. I'm trying to think of what I can tell you about. But uh, yeah, I've got you know I've got a new pilot that I'm working on, uh, and I've got a you know screenplay that I'm co-writing, and um, you know rewriting a play of mine that I just had read a couple of weeks ago, and uh, and actually getting ready to, to write a new short piece that's about this. Uh, this moment that we're in, um, you know, there's, there have been a handful of groups theatrically and otherwise who've reached out and said, you know, we're, you know, we're really interested in, in hearing what people have to say. And I think to me, that's the other thing that I find also interesting. You know, I'm, I'm grateful to hear you say and recognize that on some level I've been, you know, writing things in this vein mm-hmm. of the kind of things we've been talking about for a while. Part of my question always becomes, you know, when I step into the space of, of how so many of these instances of black men being killed have been ignored. You know, part of my question artistically becomes, okay, so if I write about this, you know, in five years or five months or five minutes, are people going to care? You know, are people going to be so either, you know, desensitized or over it or only want to see sort of super happy you know, rainbows and lollipops material that they they won't even want to go to that space, you know, is is one of those challenging things that I think all all artists and particularly artists of color who are writing about these things, like we're all thinking about that on some level. You know, what's the long term future of the kind of storytelling that most of the time I want to tell? It's it's an interesting question. Well, you know, I look at it this way. Uh, You know, if you look back at movies from the 60s, say, where, uh, you know, when the civil rights movement was happening initially uh, Mm -hmm. with uh, like the Sidney Portier movie. Look who's coming uh, to dinner. Yeah. Look, yeah. You know, that... Yeah. Uh, guess. guess. Guess who's coming to dinner. It, that, uh, uh, isn't that 20 Years a Slave? <laughs> yeah, I, think, yeah. uh, I was just about to say, uh, you guys are really good with the titles. Right, <laughs> yeah, but titles are not our thing, apparently. <laughs> I like the one with Dom DeLuise. It was a whole different movie. <laughs> oh, that was good. Smokey and the Bandit. Have you thought about Smokey and the Bandit 5? <laughs> no, but, uh, you know, that, that uh, tells a story of a time in history, right, where... It's not quite exactly the same as that anymore, but it's still fascinating to watch. Yes, absolutely fascinating. Yeah, and and I was just watching. Um, I was watch, just watching the the uh, documentary uh, "I Am Not Your Negro," the documentary about James Baldwin, and they were talking mm-hmm. about how that movie 
you know, uh, for certain audiences, there are certain groups of people who are really angry at that movie, you know, who, who, who felt like, uh, you know, who felt like the movie was not, um, you know, although it was sort of aspiring to this space, there were some black people who were concerned that, that Sidney Poitier's character was, you know, was, was an uncle Tom or a little more subservient or, you know, so it's always controversial to be in that yeah. space. And I think that's, that's really the question. Like, I think no matter what, you know, when I have these, you know, sort of touch into these spaces of the things that I'm interested in writing, there's always some space of controversy around it that, that just sort of comes along with it. And so, you know, part of it is the question of, you know, whether people are, will be continually interested in, in stepping into that version of controversy uh, or whether they'll, you know, just rather watch cartoons. <laughs> well, if, if it's up to us, we, we hope you keep on doing it because uh, thank you. you're, yeah, doing, it's you're doing great work and we, we are big fans and we are really thankful that you took some time out of your schedule and came on the show and, and yeah, chatted be with us. Be safe, good vibes. and uh, Yeah, you too. You guys yeah. too. I'm happy to, happy to be here, happy to be asked. And um, yeah, great, to, great conversation. Great to talk to you. Um, where can people look at your stuff? You already mentioned YouTube. Uh, send me, but like yes. uh, your Twitter, your plug away. Yeah, sure. Website, so, everything. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll repeat that you can find Send Me. If you go to YouTube and you, you type in Send Me web series, you'll find the complete first season there. And some other videos that that went with that in 2016. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Harper Creates uh, and uh, at Your Creative Life, which is my coaching arm. And you can also find me on the web at HarperCreates.com or YourCreativeLife.com. Uh, that's where I am. That's great. Thanks for being on the show. Wish you the best. Keep we'll, up the good work. We'd love to have you on again. Hopefully, great. when there's, when there's Change. More to talk about. Too, yeah, you know? <laughs> we'll, we'll have you on when everything's fine. Yeah, okay, great. Should Whenever be three, four is. weeks. Yeah, yeah. Pencil us in for next Tuesday. Everything will be good by then. <laughs> take it easy, Steve. All right, take care. Thanks. Right, bye, bye, bye. You know, um, it reminds me of the story that I heard this week. You know, this is uh, Steve Baskerville. Now, Steve Baskerville is a uh, Chicago uh, weatherman, longtime weatherman. Yeah, he was with Channel 2 in mm -hmm. Chicago. He's very famous in Chicago. Everyone mm -hmm. knows who he is. He's a, he's an African-American. He's a actually a super friendly guy, mm -hmm. always smiling, always happy. Um, but these protests have affected him, too. And it, I think it's making every uh, black person in America uh, remember these moments. Yeah. And they're telling us, and a lot of us have never heard these stories, and I've been for cert certain never heard this story from Steve Baskerville. Um, but he did it this week on his show, Back to You, and I'd like to play a little bit sure. of it. Is that all right? Here we go. I have had something happen to me that could have changed my life forever, could have changed my life forever as a black man in this country. There, This has happened over and over again to black lives in this country. And I was in college. My friend and I are walking down the street in downtown Philadelphia, and a police officer is in his car cruising at, our, at the same speed. He cruises up and pulls up in front of us, up on the sidewalk. Horses come galloping up. Uh, a couple of uh, police vans as well. This is a major scene now. We get thrown up against the wall and searched. We get handcuffed. And we are led to one of those police wagons. And here we are yelling out loud, what did we do? What did we do? We don't even know what we supposedly had done. And they put us in the back of these wagons. And we go back to the area near City Hall. There were banks on, on the corner. We get taken out of the van. And Action News and Eyewitness News, all the, the, the TV stations are there. We say to each other, as they lead us into the bank, we say, oh, I, I guess we robbed the bank. I mean, that's how sad it is. Oh, 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 now we know. And we get hustled into this bank after hours in the late afternoon. And uh, it's an empty scene except for the tellers and some plainclothes detective types and some other police officers. And they take us, the two of us, up to this little older white teller. And one of those officers says, are these the guys... And she looks and she pauses and my heart drops because I know this is now 
at a level that I've never reached before. And she says, he didn't have a hat. I had on a corduroy jacket and a corduroy cap. And the cop pulls my cap off real quick and says, is this the guy? Is this the guy? And she continues to hesitate. And she's, um, and the woman says, I, I, I guess not. I don't know. No. Are you sure? Are you sure? Uh, no, no. And he's just, are you sure? Are you sure? And the woman three or four times says, That's, no, it's not. And he, in anger, gives me my hat back. And they take us back to where they picked us up. And, and they warn us with threats. We know who you are. We know where you live. And we, uh, we can get you when we want. We were outraged. And I go home, and I decided to call the Human Relations Commission, some agency I thought could do something about this to get my justice. And the woman on the other end of the phone said the most uh, chilling thing through this whole episode. She said to me, just be thankful that the woman said no. And I said, what? What do you mean? She said, do you know how many young men like you we have down here in the jail because the woman said yes? Do you know that you could have had some exorbitant bail that your mother would have never been able to pay, that you may not have ever been able to, to, to reach? You, you would not have been able to afford a fancy lawyer. You wouldn't, you'd be sitting in this jail for God knows how long because the woman said yes and because you were thrown into this situation. That's how raggedy and rough this justice system was and, and the attitude of the police. And it was time after time, guys like me, black youth, boys and girls, men and women were treated like that. Most black folks that you know could probably list the experiences more than just a, an, an infrequent thing that happened to them, isolated here or there. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, I think um, this feels different, what we're, you know, seeing now in America. And, yeah. uh, you know, my heart just goes out. I mean, that was such a heartfelt and, um, but, you know, he's right. Yeah. How many stories are there like this? Everyone's got one. Every, every black person right. in America and, has one. Uh, you know, there was a, you know, I don't want to get into it too much, but um, Harvard University has a... Um, you can go out, and I don't have the website in front of me, but you can see if you have any unconscious bias um, for race. Oh, like take a test. Yes, it's a test. It's like yeah. they show you words, and then you have to very quickly go favorable, unfavorable, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I've always considered myself extremely liberal, right. and um, and I was seen to have a high unconscious bias wow. against wow. black. And um, it is. It's the words we use the words you know what we're we're seeing you know what what we're told in the media and um but you know good vibes to everybody through this yeah and um steve we love you and um yep uh, if you if you like that uh, story i mean steve uh, and howard do a, a great show called back to you mm -hmm. uh, go to opishows.com and tell a friend to listen to us on spotify mm -hmm. that's uh that's our go-to place opishows shows is another uh, special thanks to executive producer Tony Lasana with opishows.com. Opi, by the way, is... Oh, that's hippo backwards. It is. O-P-P-I-H shows.com. We're distributed by Ed Silla with Radio Misfits. Great talk radio isn't dead. It's just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. And we'll be back again next week with another episode of... Minutia Men. This Opi podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The proceeding was a presentation of Opie Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Opie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, we ask the Car Guys question, what kind of a driver are you? Plus, old car wisdoms that may or may not be true. I'm Mark Vernon. Join me and Luke Hostable for these stories and more on the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits 
Podcast Network. On the next Back to You podcast with me, Howard Sudbury, and my longtime friend and co-host, Steve Baskerville, you will hear Steve's personal and emotional stories about growing up as a black man in America. His message is powerful and hopeful. There will never be a more important episode of Back to You. Back to You with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. Back to You, an Opie show, only on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com.